You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Well, you've got your Bibles, I trust. Let's take them and turn to the 23rd Psalm as uh, we launch into the last message in this series, um, God in Control. Our message today is uh, titled, Now and Forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's the now. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last week, um, I stood up here and blatantly uh, showed some pictures of my uh, grandson who was born the week before, and uh, quite proud of all of that, by the way, just so you know, just bring that up one more time. But um, the last picture was a picture of the three generations. And and I mentioned to you that I'd seen pictures like that before. I'd been in pictures like that before, but it just struck me um, that week that I was now the old guy in the picture, which means I'm going next. And uh, forever. Sue and I uh, got home and had a great evening. And Monday morning, woke up, I got a phone call from a very dear friend who told me that uh, the man who had been uh, a mentor for me, a discipler for me, really in some ways outside of my own parents, my spiritual father um, had passed away. Uh, He started impacting my life when I was 12 or 13 years old, and so for about 42, 43 years, um, the single largest individual person impact in my life, it was him. And he went home to be with the Lord. And uh, Sue and I uh, sat on the couch and told stories and wept together as we thought about the loss. And uh, hey, don't let anybody ever tell you that Christians don't sorrow and they don't weep. Uh, we do. Um, we just don't do it like the world does because we have a hope. And, uh, and so we reflected and we laughed and we cried and all of those things. And it, it wasn't lost on me that I was preaching this week. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The truths of all of that are being made real to me. I'm growing up in so many areas in my own life. And David comes to the end of the psalm, and it's kind of like the crescendo that happens. And uh, he's talked about uh, the table being set for him. He's talked about the anointing with oil. He's talked about his cup running over. And now, and now he kind of lays it all out. This is the end. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then guess what? I get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you got your Bibles open by now, I trust. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as uh, we read his word, Psalm 23. Listen as I read. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord God, this has been an amazing passage that we've made our way through for eight different messages and considered what the psalmist was writing. And 
It's not just a pretty psalm. It's not just a famous poem. Father, this was your word. This is your word. David reflects on his life and the things that you have done, and he comes to the end, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the hope of every believer who is in this room tonight, today. Lord, I pray that you would take your word now. God, would you give us ears to hear? Hear what you have to say through your word. Would you give us minds that would understand the implications of of what is in just these very few sentences? And then, Father, would you give us hearts that we would live out, that we would live out for the fame of your name, for the glory of Jesus Christ, and we would look forward to the day we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, do in this place today what only you can do, and do it for your fame and for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can take your seats. We want to get right into this because I want to do a little bit of review. We're um, into the last message, and uh, some of you haven't been here for all eight. You've been away on vacation, or, or maybe you just started to come to the church in the last couple weeks, or maybe this is your very first uh, Sunday here, and so it would be unfortunate to just dive into the last verse and, and miss all the rest that's gone on. And so I just want to do a really quick review of what we have been looking at and uh, what we've been seeing. And so the psalmist said, David... The shepherd king, he said, the Lord, the Lord, not our Lord, not one of many gods, not, you know, if this is the one you choose, that's okay. It wasn't like that for David. He was the Lord. There was one God. He was Jehovah. And David loved him. He was a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. The Lord. The fact he is the Lord means he's the king. He's the sovereign one. He is he's the creator. You, you drive out into the country and you see all that is made. God made that. It, it didn't happen by mistake. It wasn't a blip. God did it. The Lord. The Lord, the one who gave you enough breath so you could come here today. The Lord. The Lord, the one who sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to be the right payment for my sin, for your sin. As David talks about the Lord, David had a heart and a passion for God that we can learn a lot from, even in his failures, even in his struggles. A man after God's own heart, the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Hey, David didn't have most of the Bible compared to what we have. He he didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have John 3.16. He didn't have all the verses in Romans. Jesus Christ had not yet come. But the Lord was his shepherd. David was all in with God. And the question for us is, we've got it all. We got it from cover to cover. Is the Lord your shepherd today? The Lord is my shepherd, he said. I shall not want. I shall not want. There'll be nothing that's lacking. But I shall not want means, I shall not want another shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I don't want another shepherd. And yet we live in a world that's so filled with opportunities and so filled with things that take our focus off of the shepherd that we make something else our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And David's saying, I don't want another shepherd. And I don't want what another shepherd can offer to me. You think about the way that you live and the things that are your priorities and Do you have other shepherds and the things that those shepherds provide for you? Is that really what you're going after? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
the shepherd was responsible to make sure there was a place for the sheep to eat, that they would have a good grass, and that the holes were filled in, that the ruts were taken care of, that the stumps and the rocks were removed or made safe so that the sheep wouldn't get hurt. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep are very timid and very jittery and very anxious, and they don't like to lay down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He talks about God's provision for us. But I love the fact that it says, he makes me lie down. And there are times when God has to lay you down. I talked about that in that message when I broke my ankle. And my green pasture looked a lot like a hospital bed for five days and then recovery for 13 weeks. But I look back now and I see what God did in that. I wouldn't trade that for anything. That was a green pasture for me. that The Lord made me lie down because I had to learn some things. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. God provides for us everything we need for refreshment. And See, sheep are pretty stupid. And they drink out of some muddy puddles. And they'll drink water that's going to make them sick. And sometimes I'm like that. And sometimes you're like that. And we get drinking out of dirty puddles. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The week we had that message at the end of each service, there were dozens of people at the front coming and on their knees in areas of restoration in their life. And maybe it was about sloppy thinking. Maybe it was about not being in the word like you should be in. Maybe it was about a lack of commitment. Or maybe it was sin that was in your life. And you need to get that turned around and you needed to repent and come up. And what an amazing reality that God restores our soul. And he does it over and over and over again. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. We understand clearly from Scripture there is one path to God. It is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. There's only one path to God. There's only one way to salvation. But after salvation, we're all on all kinds of different paths. God's teaching us all kinds of different things. And the things he's teaching Rami are different than the things he's teaching Sarah. And the things he's teaching Joshua are different than the things he's teaching Sue. And the things he's teaching Jason are different than the things he's teaching me. And God God has paths of righteousness and we're all on them and we're growing in them. And what I'm learning this week will be different next week and different. And all of those are God's paths of righteousness because God is all about taking care of us. And that's for our good. He leads me in paths of righteousness for our good. But there's more than that. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so the path that you're on and what God is doing in your life and in your life and in your life are, are all for your good, but they're for his glory. They're for his name's sake. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then David goes to that famous verse, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. No matter, even though it gets as bad as that, he picks like the king of all the struggles that we will ever face. Because if he had said, you know, even though I go through a hard time finding a job, 
Or even if I go through a hard time with a medical thing that happens in my life, or even if I, then you could come to that text and you could go, yeah, well, that was fine. He helped him with that. But, but my thing is way bigger. So David, I think he just takes like the king of all the struggles that we all will ever face. And he goes, even though I go through the most difficult, awful, hard thing, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to fear. I will not fear because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod of correction, the rod of instruction, the rod of encouraging us along, the rod of protection from other things that can come in. Your rod and your staff, they give me great comfort. And you prepare a table before me. It's a picture of a banquet. Sue can set a pretty good table. I've been to some of your weddings and really nice tables. I wasn't so big on some of those centerpieces, but you know, overall, pretty amazing what was going on at those tables and great food. And, and you think about that and you go, yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. God's preparing my table. And your table is all the things that you're going through in life. It's the things that God has set out for you. And nothing is going to thwart what God wants to do in your life. And so we set at this table our lives and we watch what God lays out for us. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so your enemies, those who stand against you, those who are in opposition to you, and maybe even worse, those who hate you, even want to kill you, they have to watch and they can't change what God's going to do in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. We talked about that and talked about some of the things that anointing meant, but to bring it down like to, to one sentence, anointing with oil. So there you are sitting at the table. Your enemies are around you and God himself comes and anoints you with oil. And what he's saying is, hey, enemies, hey, world, hey, everyone else, hey, Paul Whittingstall, you're with me. You're with me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows with grace and mercy. My, fault, my cup overflows with God's goodness in my salvation and his keeping. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then he comes to our verse for today. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we examined the psalm. Now let's examine this verse. The first thing I want you to see is the great confidence that, that David had. <clears throat> David messed up pretty bad. Lots of things in his life that should have put him on the shelf. And he wasn't on the shelf. And this verse says, surely goodness and mercy. That word surely is a, a, a verse of great confidence um, in Psalm 73, verse 1, which wasn't David's psalm, it was Asaph's psalm, but Psalm 73, verse 1 says, surely or truly or only God is good to Israel. Asaph understood that as he looked back and saw the way God ordered their steps and even in their failure and even in their sin, the way that God took care of them. Think about the kingdom being divided and all the rest and then God restoring them and bringing them back because God is good to his people. And so this is a verse, a, a word of, of great confidence and of, of great comfort to them. Only or truly, no matter how far you think you've strayed away, no matter what damage you think you have done, 
If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, these verses for you, these words are for you. Surely, God is good. It's a word that talks about, um, it's a fact. It's indisputable. It's like the seal is put on it. And so David, with great confidence, says, surely. And then he talks about the great hope. Surely, goodness and mercy. Satan uses many lies to steal your hope away. Follower of Jesus Christ, there are lots of them that he uses. And and it can even be things like, you know what? Like, I've just messed up so much. Even as a follower of Jesus Christ, there's just no way. There's just no way he can keep loving me. Now, that's a lie from the pit of hell. How many times will the Lord forgive? 70 times seven. Well, it's not, it's not math, 490. It's just like beyond what you can even imagine. Aren't you thankful that after 490, Mike, aren't you thankful God didn't go, yeah, well, you're done, buddy, because that happened a long time ago. You got to 490 pretty quick. And so did you. And God didn't go, okay, that's it. You're done. God is faithful, and he doesn't give up on us. There's a fact of what he's doing. It's indisputable. The seal is upon it. And you're not too bad today. Even as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're like, oh, no, but I've been wallowing in this, and it's, it's just been for too long. Follower of Jesus Christ, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. It's not like, well, you know, I've had the wrong priorities. I've had the wrong things that I've wanted. And surely, goodness and mercy. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're sitting in this room this morning, and you think, well, no, 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 but yeah, that's fine for you. You're a preacher, and your life must just be wonderful. And and, uh, you don't understand how much sin I've done. You don't understand how far I am from God. This can be for you too. God's goodness and his mercy. It doesn't matter how far you've strayed, how long you've strayed, how pathetic you might think it is. God's grace will reach down and touch your life and he will save you just like he did me. Just like he did the guy who wrote this psalm, the adulterer, the murderer. Surely, goodness and mercy. You know, the words really shouldn't be pulled apart. They're really very tightly connected, even in the, in the Hebrew language. But, but when you think about God's uh, goodness, we've got to go to uh, John 10.10, where it says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Surely, goodness. The goodness of the work of Jesus Christ Surely, goodness. Hey, you're not going to have time to keep up with me for the next couple of minutes, so if you want to write down some references as I go, uh, you can do that. But when you think about God's goodness, David understood this in uh, Psalm 86. Um, he said this, Psalm 86 and verse 5, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Over in Psalm 106 and verse one, praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures 
forever. Over in Psalm 145 and verse 9, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. And back in Psalm 25 verses 7 to 10, it says, remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. God is good. And God's goodness supplies all of our need. But it says, surely goodness and mercy. And mercy blots out all of our sin. And so when he says, your steadfast love, your mercy, it's what God's poured out on us that we didn't deserve, so we, we, we don't get what we do deserve. Mercy. And we get what we don't deserve, God's goodness and his grace. And David says, surely, but not, not I hope so, absolutely, God's goodness and his grace His mercy poured out on me. It overwhelms me when I think about that. I don't deserve a relationship with God. I don't deserve a loving God to love me. I'm a sinner separated from God with nothing I could do about it. And yet he reached down and he loved me. So David David takes hold of this aspect of mercy. The the word is used 240 times in the Old Testament, but um, David loved it. The psalmist loved it. And so keep your finger in Psalm 23 and and go over to Psalm 103 for a minute because there are a bunch of times that it's mentioned just in that one psalm. Um, What about this mercy? What about this kindness or favor that's, that's given to us? And here's the first one. It's far-reaching. Psalm 103 and uh, verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter how far away you think you are. God's mercy can reach to you. God's mercy, it crowns us. Psalm 103 verse 4 who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The crown on my head is not my own. It's the one of God's mercy, God's goodness. Um, It's abounding. Verse eight, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It's abounding. It keeps on going, even after the 490 times. His mercy keeps on being poured out for me and being poured out for you. Is your mercy like that for other people? Is your mercy for, like that for the, the person that you've been praying for for a long time? And, and you're like, I, I, I just can't do it anymore. I give up. I just give up. Your influence may not be what it is, but don't you ever give up. God's mercy for you, it's abounding. Uh, that son or daughter that you have and, and your struggle with them and why can't they get it right and I want to fix it and God's mercy is abounding and for your spouse and the struggle that's there and why can't they get fixed? <laughs> Look in the mirror. Why can't they get fixed? And God's mercy is abounding. And God's mercy 
endures. Psalm 136, um, if you don't like songs that repeat, that we might sing, then don't read Psalm 136. Because it's like, his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. Yeah, I get it. No, no. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast Do we have to sing it again? Yes. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. That's the character of God. He endures for us. That's his mercy. There are other things that were taught about his mercy. I won't go through all those texts, but his mercy, it leads us in Psalm 143. His mercy overflows in Psalm 33. His mercy brings safety in Psalm 17. His mercy is precious in Psalm 36. His mercy, it satisfies. Truly, surely, absolutely. The idea of this word surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life as long as I have breath this goodness and this mercy will follow me so let me tell you what it's not like following you here's what it's not like Um, uh, Sue was in a motor vehicle accident a long time ago and there was an investigation that went on with it and and, uh, she was hurt pretty bad and so there's like what will come settlements all that stuff and and our lawyer said uh, you have to understand people are going to follow you there are going to be people following around there are going to be people who are going to be taking your picture there are going to be people who are Okay, that kind of following is kind of lurking in the bushes and hiding in the trees and driving behind you and parking across the parking lot just to see whether you're actually as sick as you say or injured as you say you are. And we kind of get that idea of following. That's not what this word is about at all. Actually, in the, uh, in the video when it said um, that follow me part, they had the camera right at that guy's feet. That was really a good, a good picture of it. It's a picture of like the, the little puppy you have and as you're walking along, it's just nipping at your heels all the time and you're like, would you, would you get off my heels? Okay, that's the negative, but that's the idea. Or the little child holding on to your leg when they're in an uncomfortable place and, and you're going through the mall or whatever and they're, just, they're like right there. That's what this word is. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It's not off in a bush. It's not hidden somewhere. It's like right there. And it's available for us. And all we have to do is ask for it because God offers it to us. And he says, surely your goodness and your mercy, it's available to me. It's right there. It's hitched to me like a trailer all of the days of my life. Sue and I prayed with a couple last night who they're waiting for some results for some tests that will determine cancer, not cancer. And... um, to talk with them and pray with them. And I, I know what they want the results to be. I know what I want the results to be. And, uh, but for them to come to grips with the reality of, regardless of what the results are, uh, God's goodness and God's mercy are going to be there for them. Because God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Let's do that one more time. God is good all the time. All the time. Yes, he is. Because we sit at the table he has set for us, the one he has prepared for us. And nothing that God has for our lives will ever be thwarted. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life. 
That's all for when we're here, when we're on this earth and, and then forever in heaven. Forever in heaven. You know, life is really just like a vapor. It goes by so quick. When I was, um, when I was 20, I used to think people who were 40 were old. And then I became 40. And then I thought people who were 60 were old. And now I am 55. I've learned that 85 is the new 55. <laughs> right? Uh, life is so short. And, it, you know, I, people said to me the same thing. I'm saying, don't blink. Don't blink. Because you know, where did that go? Well, that's true. Because life is a vapor. And it's going by very, very quickly. When you're 20, you think, like, who can stop me now? I've got it all. And you just wait. You might be standing here one day or sitting with your family. Or, and you'll find yourself doing things that old people do. Um, Sue and I were out with some friends for ours for a lunch a few weeks ago. And all, all four of us were 55 years old. That's where the 85, the new 55 thing, because we needed comfort, okay? And uh, so there we are. And, and the four of us were nattering at each other about why do young people need to know what the sex of the baby is going to be? Wah, 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 wah. And I, I just leaned in the middle of the table and I said, we have become old people. Life is a vapor. James 4 says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and, and then vanishes. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure, all that we have, our life and all the things God has poured on us and our salvation, we have it all. It says, we have these things in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. And not to us. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for this light momentary affliction, that's this life, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You see, David, as he's getting excited about what's going on, he goes, surely, goodness and mercy, that's going to follow me all the days of my life. But, but wait, but wait, it gets better. And then I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's awesome. This might be good. This might be cool. But what's coming blows that right out of the water. What's coming is so much greater. And Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're going to a place, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is called heaven. And Jesus has gone there to prepare it for us. Hey, if he could prepare the table for me, can you imagine what the place he's preparing for us is going to be like? It's going to be incredible. But you know what? Lord, help me just to be thankful that I'm there. Not looking for a mansion. Not looking for, I get to go be with the Lord. Because my life is a mist. It's gonna be over. The next breath I have is because God allows me to have it. And one day I will stand before him. 
I will dwell on the house of the Lord forever. Real quick, let's just take that statement apart. First of all, he says, I, I made it we in your notes because um, we're talking to the whole church, but um, I will dwell, I, a personal thing. David starts out the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, your shepherd. It was personal for him. And he says, I or we will dwell we will dwell. When we get there, we're going to dwell. It's not like you came to church today and you're here for an hour or so and then you're going out and going on to something else. No, no, we're going there to stay. It's not like a drop-in. It's not like a little visit. It's not like you have to have an appointment. We're going there and we're going to dwell there. If I was to come over to your house for lunch today, I would be uncomfortable there because... Um, I'm not used to being there. I don't know, do you pet the dog or is he going to bite you? Do you kick the cat or do you let it climb up on your lap? I don't know any of those things. And so there's that little bit of discomfort that's there. And so, but here he says, I'm going to dwell. I'm going to dwell. We're going to be there. It's going to be home for us. I will dwell. I will dwell in heaven. The house of the Lord that uh, David is talking about in Psalm 23 is not the uh, temple in Jerusalem. Um, I know that because it had been destroyed and David was putting the pieces together to build, sorry, to build the temple. And uh, that's what he was doing. And uh, it wasn't built when he died. And so, and he says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. So what's heaven going to be like? What's it going to be like there? I want you to turn over to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And John, as he has his vision, he lays out some things and he says this starting in verse 22. And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. But its light will the nations, by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut up by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring in, into it the glory and honor of the nations. Are you ready? But nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the streets of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life and its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and its servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Folks, if you're in Christ, you're going to heaven. It's going to be amazing. And when we get there, I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what we're going to do. But we're not going to be playing backgammon and going out and playing volleyball. We're going to be doing things that bring glory to God. It says right in the text there, we're going to worship him. We try and understand heaven and put it into human thought. And I think sometimes when we do that, we demean what heaven's going to be like. But what else can we do? Because we don't know any better. Here's what I know. 
When I get to heaven, the Bible says there's not going to be given, giving and taking in marriage. So men, the wife that God has given you, you pour into her now. You love her with all of your heart. You lead your family well. You take care of your kids. You pray over them. You pour into them. Because when I get to heaven, Sue's going to be worshiping Jesus. It's not going to be like, okay, what are we having for dinner, dear? How come you didn't take the garbage out, honey? That's all gone. The wife I have, I have for now. She is a gift from God. She's a picture of Christ and the church. And I need to invest in her. I need to love her. I need to pour into her. Because when I get to heaven, that's over. This is a blessing for her. She's going to worship Jesus. I don't think when we get to heaven, the people who've gone before are going to be there high-fiving us as we come through the pearly gates. I, you know, maybe. Maybe that's what God will do. But we're going to worship Jesus. And, and you, you sit in this room sometimes in the worship and you just go, that was amazing. Okay, now Chris is good. But it's not what it's going to be like in heaven. And that's where those who are followers of Jesus Christ are, are headed. I will dwell in heaven. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And then the last word is this, forever. Forever. So let me make this statement. Be careful how you choose today because your choices have eternal consequences. Be careful how you choose today. Be careful what you choose today because the choices you make have eternal consequences. Uh, David had the confidence of knowing he was going to be with God. He was going to heaven. Do you have that hope? Do you have that, uh, that belief? Are you sure about that? Because you don't want to get that wrong. The Bible says that God has put eternity in a man's heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11. The Bible says in Matthew 16.26, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And what good will it be if you get all the stuff you want now and when you die, you stand before God and he says, I'm sorry, I never knew you. See, the decisions you make now have eternal consequences. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5, listen, say this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, here's the heaven part, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. If you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, you're going to heaven when you die. And if you haven't, the decision you're making today has eternal consequences. You just need to understand that. I can't, I can't say it any plainer than that. You're going to stand before God, and everyone will. Philippians chapter 2. And he will say to you, well, well, why should I let you into my heaven? And you're going to be feeling pretty sheepish at that point, and you're going to be like, well, I tried hard. I was nice to people. I, I didn't kick the cat. I, I, I gave some money to the poor. And, and he's going to say, I never knew you. 
sorry, go away. And you'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. And just like we don't understand how amazing heaven is going to be, don't underestimate how awful hell is going to be. I hear people talk about that all the time. Well, you know, I'm going to go to hell and I'll party with my friends. Really? You're going to go to hell and suffer for eternity. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Well, who do you think you are? Yeah, I'm nothing. Believe me. When I stand before God and he says to me, why should I let you into my heaven? It'd be, Lord, you, you shouldn't except for him, except for Jesus. Because I didn't deserve any of this. I was a sinner with no hope. I was a sinner with no plan. I was a sinner. I could not do anything to fix it. And Jesus Christ came and he died and he paid a price so that I didn't have to pay the price. He paid the price I couldn't pay. He paid the debt I couldn't pay. The, oh, the thing I owed was so massive and, and Jesus Christ came. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I am so thankful when I stand before God, it's not gonna be based on my performance. It's based on Christ's performance. It's based on what he did. All that I did in this whole thing of my salvation was I believed in him. I accepted the finished work. He paid the price. He paid it for me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There are eternal consequences to the decisions that you are making as it relates to Jesus Christ and what you will do with him. Those decisions that you make today have eternal consequences. And so I can't just preach a message and go, won't it be all neat when we're all in heaven? Yeah, it'll be neat for those who are in heaven. It'll be awful for those who aren't. If you've never trusted Christ, I beg you, trust Christ today. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will, you will be saved. We will dwell in heaven forever. That party's never gonna stop. That worship of God, that falling on our faces, that adoring him is gonna go on and on and on forever. One of the neat things too for me about heaven is that we're not gonna move anymore. Sue and I have been married 35 years. We've moved 14 times, twice in the last 20 years. She got us kicked out of more places than you can imagine, first part of our Okay, she did not. We moved a lot. I don't like moving anymore. You know, we're looking, there's a house across the street from a soul, and it's like, man, that sold for more money than we paid for. Maybe we should move. And she's like, yeah, we are not moving. Okay, we're not moving. We're going to dwell there forever. Not some lame little thing on Burn Street in Markham. We're going to dwell in the place that God made for us. And we're going to do it forever. Well, so what? So what? My good friend and my mentor, he died on Sunday night. And he went to heaven. He wouldn't want to come back here. He wouldn't be a part of this. He wouldn't want that. He's in glory. He's worshiping with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a man of God who modeled for me. Surely goodness and mercy followed him. I watched it in his life. I I saw the hard things. I saw the struggles. I got to watch him at the table. And I saw those things too. 
And I saw God's goodness and mercy poured out on him. And I've seen God's mercy poured out on me and his goodness poured out on me. And it's being poured out on you as followers of Jesus Christ. And so live in that confidence. So he's not hiding behind a tree somewhere. He's not somewhere out where you can't find him. He's right there. Everything you need for every day, no matter how hard it gets. His goodness and his mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And then on Sunday night at just, or just before midnight, he went to be with Jesus. And he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so will every follower of Jesus Christ. David penned an amazing psalm. Started out as the shepherd. And all the things that that meant. And it started out, and as he goes through the first part of the psalm, it's it's all about what God will do. He, he, he. And then the second part of the psalm, it's all about what you will do, you will do, you will do. It became very much more personal. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, no matter what I go through, you're going to take care of me. You're going to put me at the table. You're going to put your hands on me and say, you're going to say, Paul, 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 you're with with me. And my goodness and my mercy are going to go with you every day you have in the rest of your life. And then guess what? Then after that, it's going to get even better because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the psalmist said this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the worst thing, through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then, and then, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord God, this is your word. An amazing psalm that David wrote. So much for us to learn from it. Lord, you promise that you're going to go with us through this life. You're not going to leave us. You're not going to forsake us. Your goodness and your mercy are there. And Lord, there are people in our church who are going through difficult things, even today. Decisions they don't want to make, hard times. But Lord, you're going to go with us and your goodness and your mercy will go with us. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have a great confidence. And then Lord, even with the unknowing about what will happen at the end of our days, there's the promise I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will worship at the feet of Jesus Christ, my Savior. For the followers of Jesus Christ in this room today, would that be a great confidence and encouragement for us? Would we walk out of here with a hope that's based not on what we can accomplish, but on what you've already accomplished? For the person who's sitting here today who's never trusted Jesus Christ, they're making decisions that will have eternal consequences. Would you bring to the place today of repentance and faith, trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior? Would you give them the courage or boldness just to ask the person who brought them, like, what's he talking about? How can I do that? Or to come and ask, and we will show you from God's word. Lord, would you give them the boldness to do that? Would you take them from death and separation from you to life and the promise of eternal life? And would you do it, not for this church, but would you do it for your glory? so that together we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.